Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke in the 10th chapter, beginning in the 38th verse. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed Him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to Him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then on your scripture sheets is a responsive reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you will take those out and read responsibly with me. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. We read just a few moments ago with Blake from Luke chapter 10. If you're visiting with us, we are in a study in the gospel according to Luke, and obviously we're at Luke 10, 38. Before we look at this passage, let's pray together and ask Jesus, who was there with his disciples in the house of Martha and Mary, let's ask him to speak to us this morning through his spirit. Let's pray together. In Christian service, is severed from Christ. Maybe you're like me when you, maybe you were like me when you read this brief scripture from Luke chapter 10 this morning. Maybe you were like me when, when I first approached this passage many years ago. I was puzzled. Why would God include this episode in the Gospels? It, it seemed to me that a spat between two sisters just did not deserve to be. It just didn't reach the level of the Gospels. When you think like that about any portion of God's Word, you must step back and remember God's Word judges us. We do not judge it. It is God's word, and he had a reason in his omniscience, in his wisdom. He had a reason for putting it there. 
And I pray that this morning that you will walk out of this building thinking, wow, I know why he put that in there. It's really important. A major part of understanding why this is included in Luke's story of Jesus is just grasping the scene. So let's take, take a minute and set this theme. Jesus comes to Bethany. It doesn't say that, but we know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus live in Bethany. Martha seems to be the owner of the house. We read that Martha opened her home to him. The Greek word there is hupodecamon. It means to entertain entertain hospitably, to, to give hospitality to. To welcome. That's what the word means. It's a very strong word. It's the same word that was used of Zacchaeus when he opened his home to Jesus. Martha began to to work very hard preparing a meal for Jesus and the disciples. In verse 34, we read the plural pronoun, they, the disciples, were with Jesus. That was no small order. Think about it. To her credit, she not only opened her on to Jesus, but to the disciples, and was preparing a feast. No small matter. But she had a sister, Mary, and Mary was literally sitting in a room with others, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. Wouldn't that have been neat? Wouldn't that have been neat to be that close in the same room and just listen to the Son of God, Son of Man, Pete? Martha, we read, was distracted. The actual Greek reads, Martha was pulled away by much service. She became upset. She's in the kitchen, and her sister is idle at the feet of Jesus. And she goes to Jesus and complains. He gently tells her that Mary has made the better choice. Too many people completely miss what Jesus was saying. He was not saying that worship is always superior to service. That's not the message. Now, that's the scene, all right? We must add something to that in this preface. We must also understand what the Bible means, what God means, what Christ means when God's word speaks of service, serving Christ. What does that mean? We usually think of some labor specifically that has to do with the church. Maybe being a minister, maybe being an elder or deacon or teaching Bible studies or teaching Sunday school, leading music, something that has to do with the church. That's not the biblical view of Christian service. Of course, that's those things are Christian service, but Christian service is so much larger. Look at Colossians 3.17. On your scripture sheet. And whatever you do, whatever, whatever, 
Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whether you're changing diapers or building a business, whether you're playing football or studying history, whatever it is that you're doing under God's creation, you do it all in the name of Jesus. You sign his name to it. Look at Colossians 3.23, several verses after that. Whatever you do, again, same word, whatever it is, work at it with all your heart. That means with excellence, with, 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 with all your energy. As working for the Lord, not for men. In other words, you're serving the Lord. You're not serving men. Do you understand? What he's saying is that we're called as his people 24-7 to live for him in this world. In our vocations. A benefit of our vocations will be that we can provide for our families. We earn money. Or we we build businesses and, and, and we help other people in producing. But first and most of all, it's service to him. I don't care whether it's in a bank or in the field farming. It's service first and foremost to Christ, to God. During the Middle Ages, the church got away from this biblical teaching. It was in, this kind of teaching was in the early church. You're reading it there from Colossians and Paul. But gradually, the church began to teach that only those laboring inside the church were truly serving Jesus. The priests, the monks, the nuns, the cardinals, the bishops, the pope, those were called true laborers of Jesus, full-time Christian service. Now, the reason I'm saying this to you is because this is a huge, point of misunderstanding inside of the church. I grew up inside of a church where if you went into the ministry, they said, well, you're in full-time Christian service. Thanks. That's not biblical. Listen to me, young man, young people. Listen to me. It's important you must know this. It's like saying, well, this person's serving Christ full time. This person is only serving him on Sunday when he works for the church. No. The person who goes to work tomorrow morning, no matter what that work is, is called by God to serve him in that place. I'm not, I'm not any more called than you are. We're all called. And it changes how you view. Well, here came, you know, the, 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 the church slid off into this and said, here's meaningful employment. Here's meaningful service. The nuns, the priests, the monks. And here's the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, and they're just necessary worldly jobs. That's all they are. Here came Calvin and Luther and the Reformers returning to Scripture 
in saying the the, 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 the pig farmer is as called to his job as the preacher is called to his job. They recovered this inside the Protestant church. So as, as we understand serving in this passage, what Martha was doing, we're called to serve. Whether we're cooking a meal for Jesus actually in our house or whether we're changing doctrine. There's no difference. It's, it's serving him. So we have the scene. We understand what service is. Let's look at this passage. Service for Jesus can easily become self-serving. Look at verse 40. But Martha had distracted, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Many folks have taught from this passage that sitting and loving Jesus is superior to working for him. I, I read a message on this passage that was titled, Don't Just Do Something, Sit There. You need to know that Martha was doing a wonderful service. She had opened her home to Jesus. She was working hard to prepare a meal for him and, and his disciples. Demonstrating hospitality in our homes is a Christian requirement. Read the requirements for elders and deacons. The elders and deacons are to be hospitable. Our homes are to be a model of hospitality. But now look at her complaint. My sister has left me to do the work by myself. Jesus, look at what I'm doing. Me, myself. Martha was not absorbed in the Christ she was serving. She was absorbed with herself. That sentence is far more, what she's saying is far more about Martha than it is about Jesus. She was filled with pride. She was working and no one else was paying attention to her. She was working harder than anyone there. And no one seemed to care. We, we so easily do this. Wherever we are called in our work, service tends to become about us. Not about him. My labor, not his grace. My time, my money, not his love. We easily do this. I, I was attending a, a birthday party many years ago that a husband had planned and, and carried out for his wife's birthday. He had planned for months this birthday party. And he spent a great deal of money. He had it to spend. I was there, and as I watched that evening, it was just so obvious. That evening, what he had done became the center of attention. The party was about what he had done. It was really not about her birthday. It was like she was in the back. 
It was about him and saying, look what I did. But I couldn't criticize him. Too many sermons I have preached have been about me. Too many 18-hour days done supposedly in his name have been about me. And if you're honest, if we're honest with each other, we all slip into that. Go back to that Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You don't sign your name to it. You do it in his name. He didn't just say do it for Jesus. He said you do it in his name. Service for Jesus can easily become self-serving. Service for Jesus, secondly, can easily become focused on what you perceive as a lack of service in others. Look at verse 40. So she's hard at work. She looks over and she sees Mary. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus, I'm working hard to serve you, and Mary is not. Let's get that plan. You need to set her straight. I shouldn't even have to explain this point. Just hold up a mirror and see yourself. Because that's what we all do. Look at what I've done. They're not, they're not doing it. In 1972 and 1973, I was a young Presbyterian minister living in the mountains of Virginia. I was busy in Cedar Bluff Presbyterian Church leaving the Presbyterian Church in the United States, which was typically called the, the Southern Presbyterian Church, leaving that denomination with this little mountain church. We were leaving that denomination because that denomination, which had once been so great, had left the cardinal doctrines of Scripture. It was no small thing. Uh, the gospel, the deity of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the word of God was being denied in that denomination. It was time to leave. I was so right. For almost two years, I was sleeping three and four hours a night, speaking at other churches, helping lawyers draw up a court case, helping organize a new presbytery, a new denomination. I was possessed with rescuing people from this former denomination where they were not hearing the gospel. I had no patience at all for ministers and people who would stay in a denomination that was openly denying the deity of Christ. I became like Martha. Jesus, I'm working hard to serve you here, and these people aren't. They're not. They're not leaving. They should be leaving. Do you know how Jesus answered me? You've heard me speak of Dr. RTL Liston, Robert Todd Lapsley Liston. He was president of the college I attended, King College. He had several doctorates, was a very erudite church leader. 
I'd become very close to Dr. Liston as when I attended King College. He was staying in the old denomination. And you know what happened? When I was looking around and being so critical, here comes Dr. Liston. He's not leaving the denomination. He's staying in it. In fact, he died inside that denomination several years later. But he worked tirelessly at great sacrifice, putting his name on the line in helping me, in assisting us in what we were doing. I was humbled. God forced me to see that in this great struggle, I had become arrogant about my own sacrifice. And here was this noble man, godly man, who believed God had called him to stay there for that time. That became my greatest ally. The next time you're inclined to point a finger at Christians, instead of speaking to your crowd, or a friend, and complaining. Just take it to Jesus. Just go to Jesus. Martha did several things right in this passage, and that was one of them. She took her complaint to Jesus. Take your complaint to Christ. Look over at the other person and say, Jesus, you know, that person's not serving you like I am. That person has done this and this and this. They need to be involved like I'm involved. They need to think like I think. Just take it to Jesus and listen to what he says. Service for Jesus can easily become self-serving. And what happens when it becomes self-serving? The next step will be to point the fingers at others who are not serving like you. Service for Jesus can easily become focused on what you perceive as a lack of service in others. Service for Jesus can easily become a joyless burden. Look at verse 31. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Jesus really cared for Martha. Anytime in Hebrew, that someone uses the name like like John, John, Matthew, Matthew. It's it's those are using the name in a double, you know, right together is a form of endearment. Jesus really say, Martha, I love you. <laughs> I really do, Martha, Martha. You've let this thing become a gigantic burden. You're worried. You're upset. Sometimes our service for Christ is mundane. It's hard. Time-consuming. It demands sacrifice. But at the heart, even in the tough times, there should be joy. You know why we sang Ferris, Lord Jesus, this morning? For this exact reason. Because in this passage... It's obvious about loving Christ and Christ being at the center. And, and if, you, if you look at the second verse, fair are the meadows, fair are the woodlands, robed in the blooming garb of spring. Jesus is fair, Jesus is pure, who makes the woeful heart to sing. 
even on the worst days, we're bathed in God's grace. And even among, you know, when we're serving in the most mundane ways and when it's hard, there's still a joy there. A friend of mine uh, used to say, talking specifically about me, because I, I love to run, I love to jog, I, uh, I love to run long distances. And he used to say, John, I don't care what you say, there's no way I'll ever be a jogger. And I said, why are you so intent? He said, because every time I see a person running, they just don't look happy. He said, it, it's like they're saying, this is not that much fun. It's painful. I think that's the way a lot of people look at Christians. You know, the second characteristic that's listed in the fruit of the Spirit, love is first. What's second? Joy. There's joy in serving Christ. I think many times the world looks at us and they see us serving in the mundane. And they don't see the joy. And I want to tell you, it's our fault. It's not that their vision is messed up. It's our focus is messed up. In the Uncle Remus stories, most of you are not old enough to Remember them. So just bear with me. Bear Rabbit, the hero of the stories, he had a laughing place. Where was his laughing place? It was the Briar Patch. The Briar Patch was his laughing place. We have a laughing place. His name is Jesus. That's it. Jesus is our laughing place. You go there. Take your complaint to him. Take your woeful day to him. Service for Jesus can become self-serving. And then what's the next step? Well, service for Jesus can equally easily, when we become self-serving, you focus on what is a lack of service then in others. You look at them. And then the third step is just automatically happens. It becomes a joyless burden. Fourthly and finally, and here's the most important truth for the morning. Service for Jesus can actually become completely severed from Jesus. Look at verse 39. She had her sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Verse 42. But only one thing is needed, Martha. Only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary was enamored with Jesus. She was feeding her soul. She was filling her soul with Jesus. She was focused on him. And that's the point. Look at the beginning of verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation. Distracted from what? Distracted from Jesus. 
distracted from his presence. Look again at verse 42. Only one thing is needed. Was service for Christ not needed? Was he saying, Martha, I don't need the service. You don't need to serve. No, he wasn't saying that. Service for Christ is needed. He's not saying that all we need to do here is come here on Sunday morning and sing and praise and love him. And there's no need for anything else. That's not what he was saying. He said, Martha, I love you. But Mary has it, has it right. She's focused on me. I'm at the center of what she's doing. Martha had severed her work from service to Jesus. And sadly, that's what most of us do all too often. Whether we're feeding animals on the farm, whatever it is, we sever it from Christ. Husbands, we can work hard, really work hard, and provide for our wives, for our children. And we go to our wives and children and say, look look how hard I've done it. Look how hard I've worked. But our wives and children are forlorn. And they can say back to us, well, Dad, a, a bank account will do that. It will take care of us physically and build a home and build a house and provide schooling for us. A, a bank account will do that. We want a father. We want a husband. We want to be loved. You see, we can do that with our families. In our service, we can actually sever. think we're doing it because we love our family, but we can actually sever love for our families in providing for them. Wives can do the same thing. Wives can say, I love you. Think of all the laundry I've done, all this I've done. I keep the house. I do this. I do that. And the husband says back to his wife, but I want you. I want you. That's what Jesus was saying to Martha. Martha, I love your service, but I want you Mary understands that. This really hit me hard this week. And I ended up in 1 Corinthians 13.3. I didn't know I was going to be there when we did the bulletin. That's why it was not a part of the scripture reading. It just made the scripture sheets. But in 1 Corinthians 13.3, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Now think about all that Paul has endured in in his work as a missionary. 
All the times he had been beaten, thrown in jail, shipwrecked. And what does he say? If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body up to be burned, but have not love, I have gained nothing. What's the ultimate service to Christ? That I'm killed for my faith. That I'm martyred. Is that the ultimate service? Paul says, even if I'm martyred, even if I give my body to be burned, unless there's the love of Jesus, it doesn't mean anything. 